What is grace? Grace is community. Grace is passion. Grace is for everyone. We're going to hear our scripture reading for today. Carol is going to read for us today from the Gospel of Matthew. This is chapter 19. She's going to share with us verses 16 through 22. Uh, this is known as the story of the rich young ruler. So uh, I invite you now to hear the word of the Lord. Carol? sermons connected with important holidays and celebrations. Between Mother's Day last week and the confirmation ceremony we'll have next week, we are spending a day looking at the missions work we do as a church. Though some people use the word missions to mean people that go overseas to convert others to Christianity, we use it here in its more common form, the good works we do here and everywhere. We look at some of the reasons why we do these good works in the first place and celebrate the projects we've done throughout the year. As we dive into this topic, let me say that we know something is not right. Something is wrong when it comes to caring for others. The evidence is all around us. But before we get to that, let's pray together. God, may we be an inclusive community, passionately following Jesus Christ. Work in our hearts and lives that we might do the work you call us to, not just of good deeds, but have transformed lives through works of compassion. In Christ we pray. Amen. If you want to know there is something wrong in the world, just turn on the TV. Every day you can hear the news that lives by the mantra, if it bleeds, it leads. The world is full of violence, lies, betrayal, and inequity. I pulled up the news to see a few headlines this week. Here are just a, a few quick ones I found. A school shooting in Russia. The rocket attacks between Gaza and Israel, food aid being blocked in Ethiopia, and all of this is happening during a global pandemic that is absolutely ravaging India. It's not a, a pretty picture, and when we step back and take note of the things happening in the world, we can't help but say something is terribly, terribly wrong. Many of these situations have their roots in the fact that about half of the world lives on less than $10 a day. To many of us, that number may seem impossible. How does someone live on $3,650 a year? How do you eat with so little money? How do you get clean drinking water with so little? 
Maybe even more surprising is that about one billion people live in extreme poverty with even less, living on only one dollar a day. Something is terribly wrong. I shared a little of my own story before. I remember vividly the day that I went with my mother to the food pantry at the church we attended regularly when I was a young boy. My father had lost his job, and even when he found marginal employment, we simply did not have enough money to pay the mortgage and keep food on the table. You don't have to look at what's happening across the world to see things going wrong. You can look in your own backyard. This past week, Emily had shared with me about a family that had a fire at their house here in Wyckoff. Apparently, they were doing some renovations and the attic caught fire. The fire department came in and fought the blaze. It looks like they saved the house, but I'm sure there's plenty of damage. What an awful thing to happen that's just out of your control. Something similar happened to me when I was young. I was in second grade and my parents had decided they wanted me to do homeschooling. So halfway through the year, I was pulled out of school. My mom taught all of her four children math and English and after a couple of weeks, thought it would be a good idea to have cooking classes as part of our education, it didn't hurt at all that uh, cooking classes meant she wouldn't have to cook dinner at night. Uh, and instead of cooking in the kitchen, she decided we would use the extra oven we had down in the basement. So on the first day of cooking class, my mom was with the oldest, my oldest brother, Andy, and she turned on the pilot, used the old David plane to, uh, you know, those utility layers with the long barrel to light the oven. And Nothing happened. She tried and still nothing. And then my brother said he would try. He clicks and clicks until finally it lights and there is uh, not a pilot light going on, but an explosion. A fireball shot up and my brother says, burned the ends of his eyelashes. The, the flame was that close to him. He was otherwise all right, but my mother described the washing machine right next to the oven just crumpling. from the street. understand one bit of what was going on, but eventually the fire trucks arrived. Uh, arrived at moved back into our home. In the meantime, though, we had nothing. We had the gave us gift certificates to eat at Denny's restaurant. I am eternally grateful that we were able to have those meals when we had so little, but I'll tell you when you have breakfast, lunch, and dinner at Denny's every single day for weeks on end, even little kids get tired of eating out. I had enough grand slams to last me a lifetime, so please, if you ever take me out to eat, do not take me to Denny's, anywhere else but Denny's, please. 
a strength, though, that these kinds of tragic events can shape us so much. I experienced firsthand what it was like to be poor, to have nothing and be dependent on the goodwill of others. People gave us gifts, replaced the clothes and furniture and appliances we lost. It was a pretty incredible outpouring of love. And I know to this day, every time the fire department asks for a donation, my parents will always, always give because they know what it's like to lose your home in an instant and how much it means to have. Give up our homes or our. Intentional poverty where people choose to give up just about everything they own. Diving trending where you don't buy food at restaurants or grocery stores, you just. could live on just a few thousand but in truth this is not with Jesus throughout his ministry. At one point, Jesus sent out the 72 of his followers. Said and done, you have 50 or 60 or 70 people in your house. This passage from Matthew 19, someone asks the question of Jesus. He is usually Well, some of these commandments are harder to find. will really take me to a deeper connection with God and truly bring eternal life. I love Jesus' answer here. The things he aims are murder, adultery, stealing, lying, Honor your parents and also loving your neighbor as yourself. It, it might be tough to pick up here, but Jesus names all of the Ten Commandments that have to do with loving and helping other people. The Ten Commandments are understood as having two fundamental types. The first is ones about God, and the second is ones about other humans. So, have no other gods before you is obviously about God, no idols. 
that's about God. Don't use the Lord's name in vain, also about God. But ones like don't murder or lie or covet, those are about people. Jesus' answer is essentially eternal life with God is possible when you love other people. That's why he ends with a summary of these people-oriented commitments. Also, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Loving God is expressed through loving people. Eternal life with God happens when you love other people. Now, there's a bit of a question mark for me in what happens next. The rich young ruler hears this, and I'm not sure if he doesn't understand the implications of what Jesus is saying, or if he really believes he loves his neighbor. The rich young ruler says, I've done all this. What else do I have to do? And Jesus makes it obvious that he has, in fact, not loved his neighbor. He tells him, if you love your neighbor, you will sell all your possessions and come and follow me, follow Jesus. He would join with a group of 50 to 70 people traveling with Jesus, but he won't do it. He's not willing to give up his wealth to follow Jesus. It's easy for us to look at this and say, what a fool. He could have walked and talked with Jesus. How many of us would say we would give up anything to have the chance to be with Jesus. But the thing that held him back and still holds many of us back today is money. It's our possessions, our accumulation of stuff. We put more importance on our job than our relationship with God. We take the money we earn and we use it on ourselves. I just heard on the radio that because of the pandemic, People have been spending a ton of money on renovating their homes. They can't travel or go to events, so they're working on the place they are stuck on their homes, right? And I don't think that that is specifically a bad thing to do, but there might be a better thing to do with our money. This week I, I sent a couple of hundred bucks to some people that I know have been on the wrong end of racial discrimination. It's not a huge thing. I feel better about that than I do about many other things I could do with my money. I'm so excited about the great work this church is doing, too. Today we wrap up our collection for St. Vincent Volcano Relief. We are joining together with dozens of other United Methodist churches to help make a difference, providing necessities for people who lost everything in a volcano. Today also just happens to be the day our Sunday school is helping with Family Promise as we feed 150 homeless folks. We're helping families stay together during quite possibly the most difficult season of their lives. These are simple things we can do that say, I love you to our neighbor. We're right in the middle of new member classes for the church, and at our meeting I asked them to name the ministries of the church. Right away, the first half dozen things they named were all the missions work that we when I asked them, how will you get involved in this church you are joining, they said they're signing up for all the missions work that we are doing. 
one of our new members, Tom, even said the reason he is joining this church is, one, that you are such a friendly church, and two, because you are doing something about your faith. You are taking action to make a difference. I affirm that about this church. We are taking action. We are helping those in need. But is there more that we can do? Imagine what it would look like if it wasn't dozens of people volunteering for these activities, but everyone. Imagine if all 638 members of this church gave and volunteered. We'd have to start new programs. We'd have to find new ways of blessing those in need in our community. What a beautiful problem that would be. As difficult as it might be to choose this kind of love for our neighbor, we give to transform their lives. One little girl in Romania received an Operation Christmas Child shoebox. You probably even contributed to one of those before yourself. And this little girl, Livia, tells how she only had moldy bread to eat and wore the same clothes every day for a week. She had one toothbrush that she had to share among a hundred other children. Livia had so little, yet when a shoebox full of goodies, school supplies, and toys arrived, she was, was told how it was put together by people who loved her. Christians cared about her, so they filled that box on her behalf. They did it because they wanted to model Jesus, who also cares about her. That's why he came to this earth and lived a life that was for others. He cared for them, blessed them, died for them, even rose again for them. Eventually, Livia became a Christian herself, was adopted and came to the United States. Now she is able to bless others the way she was once blessed by those who follow Christ. This is the cycle you create when you love your neighbor. You are blessed to be a blessing and transformed to transform others and they in turn do the same for others themselves may the problems we see in the world not cause us to despair but may they allow us to reflect on the love we have seen from others so that we too might love let's commit to live with less for ourselves so that we can show even more love For everything happening at Grace, check out our website at gumc.org.